Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. I am here. It's your girl, Jacqueline. Mr. Mark Ellis, we are both fresh off of the Big Apple. It was good. Big Apple. We had very different accommodations. Mine (laughs) were fine. (laughs) I enjoyed my hotel just dandy. But then Uh, when I heard where Jacqueline was staying... Mike, I look, I try not to get jealous of people. I'm pretty good at staying, um, you know, it within myself <laughs> and not being envious and not coveting others' possessions. Oh, but man. when you're staying in a hotel that Jack and I was staying at, I couldn't help but ask many, many, many follow-up questions. This is the dream hotel I've always wanted to be at. This is so funny. So Mark and I were both in New York for a New York Comic Con. He was doing stand-up. I was up there moderating the Blumfest panel with Universal, and they put me up. And this is the thing. Like, I don't know what hotel I'm going to. They send me an itinerary. They tell me where to go. I would have known from the address. I've studied this place. But I got to be in the Hudson Yards Equinox Hotel, (laughs) which Mark is a member of the Equinox Gym. Mm -hmm. I'm not. Okay, let's. (laughs) I want to get the take of Cinema Joe here. He's our special guest. You know him from the, the House of Cinema podcast. You can follow him on social media. Huge channels. You see him on TikTok all the time. Cinema Joe, the nicest place you've ever stayed. The nicest hotel you've oh, ever been in. Uh, not the Hudson Yard, I'll tell you that <laughs> the much. Equinox, that, that's not that. legendary status. Which, by yeah. the way, I felt so bad. I was like, listen, I know we're about to go on this tangent, but I forgot he had set this up already. <laughs> like, he told me, he's like... It's been at the forefront of my brain ever since I found oh, out. Because, again, it meant a lot more to him. Yeah. But no, Joe, thank you so much for joining us yeah, today. Course, and thank you for listening course. to my Equinox rant. I felt so bad for him. Just like, let me tell you about what me and Mark basically had an entire... I wouldn't say drink conversation about, but you were just floored. We were having a beverage yeah. and talking about it. I feel like Cinema Joe's at least done like a, a Four Seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's been a couple nice hotels in New York I went to last Which ones? Last What's year? your favorite New York hotel? Oh, I couldn't tell. I've been to New York twice in my life. Oh, okay. uh, it was, you know, there on courtesy of someone else's dime. They put me there. I was, well, it was very wait nice. A minute. If you want to go stay at Equinox, you and I can split it. Yeah, we can yeah, do that. You yeah, you have guest be passes. There. Like, honestly, now that I think that I've been there, you're going to have to be there just so you could say you could also have been there. And the legend <laughs> of Mark Ellis will continue. Because that's right, ladies and gentlemen, well, our wow. movie today is Great the 1985 segue. classic, not the Tom Hardy movie that it gets confused with nowadays, but the 1985 Ridley Scott starring Tom Cruise, epic fantasy tale, legend. It is our film today that Rotten Tomatoes wants to say is wrong. It is ranked as the 35 best of the 80s fantasy movies. That is despite the 42% Rotten score, but the 73% audience score, which I think is a little bit 
more accurate. The number one movie off of that one is The Princess Bride to give you an idea of sort of the stuff that folks are interested in that. It's also included in our book, Rotten Movies We Love, under not their best work or they've or so they've said. <laughs> you know, this is definitely the one that Ridley Scott doesn't necessarily go behind. There's so much to go about that. Mark, sir, um, I'm going to start with you, Cinema Joe. What's your history a little bit with Legend? Like, I have to know a little bit. Is this a is this a movie you had a particular affinity for? I went through a phase my 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 childhood where I was watching a lot of fantasy, like a lot of people did. You know, yeah. a lot of medieval, a lot of fantastical movies. Legend was in the run of movies I would watch and revisit, but probably on the bottom half of the list of movies I'd watch and revisit. Now, there's some other movies I would constantly watch and that came out around the same time. Princess Bride, as you mentioned earlier, was number one. They, I, I, yeah, it's fantasy. It's not the same, though. I don't think it's the same. Sword and sandal. It's yeah. like the sword and sandal type vibes, as I like to say. You know what I mean? Where there may be dragons, but there's definitely like warriors and knights. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like I was in the same world watching this movie, which I just came to last night. I'd never seen it before. Wow. So I'm coming to this movie and like I see the world it takes place in and I can see another continent in this on this planet where you're going to have like the medieval King Arthur kind of stuff going on. And then maybe you have like the land before time somewhere else. And you have what my fantasy movie that I grew up watching in my rotation, which unfortunately is at the very bottom of our Rotten Tomatoes list, the 35 best 1980s fantasy movies, Caravan of Courage and Ewok Adventure. That was one. I was, I mean, obviously I was a big Star Wars kid, but the two Ewok movies, Solid rotation. They got solid airtime. <laughs> that was at age the Ellis appropriate. Residence. That was very age appropriate. It was more you. Battle for Endor, less Caravan of Courage, but Caravan <laughs> yeah. of Courage sounds Caravan of Courage just doesn't the name doesn't sound as as exciting as Battle for Ewok's Battle for Endor is like, oh my God, that's the place from Return of the Jedi. We gotta yeah. protect it at all costs. Caravan of Courage sounds like we're getting the family into the minivan and we're going to go to grandma's house. It doesn't sound as, like, dangerous. You know what? And you need danger for you to feel like you're really yeah, in this I, genre. I, I want my Ewoks to be in a little bit of, not, not a lot, a little bit of peril. And this is one of those movies that I will say, this was part of that, like, scary fantasy movie. This was, like, you know, a little never-ending story for me when I mm. caught it. And obviously mm-hmm. not specific to the time frame because literally I think I was two. But the movie itself was a part of that, you know, Return to Oz, uh, definitely uh, The NeverEnding Story, Secret of the Nim, all of those sort yeah. of like fantasy, scary-ish kids movies that you still really wanted to watch. And so I would appreciate it, Mark, if you could take, <laughs> I want you to make sure you appreciate how scary this movie is because they're like killing stuff in the first opening scene. Well, that's why and, I'm glad I didn't see it as a kid yeah. like, 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 like Joe did because I, I think a lot of the, the darkness sort of stuff and like the minions of darkness would have actually like scared the crap out of me. Mm. It's, it, it's one of the things, I, it's one of the big qualities of this movie is how imposing our, our villainous presences look. Yes, yeah, so if you don't mind, sir, give us exactly what the villainous presence was in this one. And there's so many. We haven't even discussed, we haven't even tipped the iceberg of the names, <laughs> dates, and events of this one. So please, let's let's find out what happens. No, so you have this demon known as Darkness. The Darkness, not the, the, the fun rock band from the early 2000s. It's still going strong. Uh, Tim Curry playing Dark, an unrecognizable Tim Curry, unless you really know Tim's voice, which yeah. uh, obviously a lot, a lot of us do now. Uh, that's sort of the villainous presence counteracted by all these wonderful unicorns. That, that at least there's a couple running around. Two. And they're the keepers of light, and they have it within themselves. And so as long as the unicorns maintain uh, the breathing, and then they don't go to the glue factory, then good. Then we have a balance in the world. Unfortunately, now we got some human-ish 
interaction with the unicorns and that kind of offsets our action where, uh-oh, we got to protect the unicorns. Now we might have gone too far thanks to the princess played by Mia Sara and the uh, forest boy known as Jack. <laughs> Kind of, kind of a Mowgli situation yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Kind of, he just kind of seems to make his home outdoors. Yep. And we have some elves that come in and chime in. We have a lot going on in here. But basically, we have to raise an army full of elves. And we have to stop darkness from killing the last unicorn. Uh, because then the world's going to be an eternal night. And as much as you and I enjoy the city that never sleeps, occasionally you do want to see the sun come up. So it's stopping darkness. It's stopping evil from taking over. And more importantly, Jack, I think he's really sweet on this Lily girl, yeah. played by Mia Sarah. Played by Mia Sarah from Ferris Bueller's fame. Thank you, Mark. And Time Cop. She's great in Time Cop. She's also great in Time Cop. <laughs> Definitely one of the it girls of the 80s. Thank you so much for that synopsis. Cinema Joe, sir, if you don't mind, I would love for you to kick it off and tell me whether or not you think the 42% of Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. Is the 42% wrong? <laughs> Absolutely it's wrong. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, now I'm not saying we need to bump it up to 80s or 90s. See, I am. But we'll get there. <laughs> 70s, I think 70s is a perfectly appropriate place. I, I do think this movie was swallowed up by the, like, the wave of fantastical movies that came out in the 80s. You know, the the Willows, the Dark Crystals, the Never Ending Stories. Yep. Those are more explicitly fantasy, a little bit more lighthearted, more fun. This one is definitely more abstract, a little bit more. But all those, except for Dark Crystal, I think got rotten scores too. I know Willow is. Willow's in our book. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, see, but Willow has a great following. They yeah. made a sequel. Dark Crystal got a sequel. Legend. I don't see a Legend sequel happening anytime no. soon. I don't think you're going to see a Legend sequel anytime no. soon. But I think Joe hit on a key, a key word there that that's going to be a recurring theme when we get into movie talking. That's it's the abstract nature yeah. of the storytelling. I think really detracted for me. So for me, I think Rotten Tomatoes nailed it, baby. Wow. This movie is also in the book Rotten Movies We Love, and it's it was 36% of the tomato meter back when the book was published. Now it's crawled up to 42%, and I'm just here saying, all right, let's just pump the brakes on that on that upgrade. I think it's right at home with the late 30s, early 40s kind of rating. I did not, did not grab by this movie. I am not going to lie to you. Now, maybe it's that we live in California. And I got to enjoy certain things the last time I got to see this. <laughs> That's all I will say. Uh, I actually recently saw this. They had one of these rep screenings at the Beverly. I saw oh, it like awesome. maybe like two months ago. So oh, I saw cool. it on a theater screen. It was amazing. I loved it. I may have been enjoying the fact that I live in California and things are legal. It's awesome. I love this movie so much. And I'm going to go ahead and say it now. I waited. I have a tattoo. Not quite completely finished. This is the part of this tattoo that I don't like to talk about is my very nice Austin tattoo guy that I got right at the beginning of the pandemic to like start this for me. I have not been able to get back to like sit in his chair because you have to like get on a plane afterwards. It's, I mean, a lot, yeah. it's a lot more like whatever. So, yeah. but I do have a tattoo of this movie on here and it is of the girl dancing in this movie. It is, oh, her, really? it is her dress in a ball. God. Yeah. So it's but not I only Tim have Curry the ball. On no, back. no. Okay. It's just got his fingers. <laughs> got it's it. got his fingers. And that's the part that's not finished is his fingers. She and the ball are finished. And then it's just like open for where the fingers Very are going to cool. be. I got to get the fingers in I there. I feel like some of the best tattoo stories start with it's not finished yet. <laughs> It isn't. It's like you got to sit for like three days. Like the ball is finished. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's not so. just a college mascot. No, it really isn't. And it's like 10 hours each session, like, or six hours, really. But I like, had no idea that you, I've, I've known you for years. I had no idea that you had a, as many tattoos as you actually yeah. have. But also I had no idea that legend 
was yeah. one of them. Legend wow. is one of them. Yeah, there was three movies I felt strong enough that I wanted on my body, and this was one of them. I love this movie. It so seems much. like you 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 side with Joe, maybe even more violently oh, no. than Joe. Oh, oh, way more than him. I would definitely put this above Certified Fresh. I love this movie. It is mystical. It is wonderful. I definitely appreciate some of the warts of it, but it's so lyrical. It's about this fable of good versus evil and balance. I mean, when I look at some of the movies that were successful of this time, I don't know how you could look at this one and be like, this is so far off from something like The NeverEnding Story. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? It has that same level of heart. I think the worst thing that happened to this movie is the score that people saw that went with this movie was not the score that worked the best for it. And I still stand by that. Oh, okay. Like, it changed the entire tone and tenor of the movie to have the cuts that originally they had on this. But we'll get to that when we get into movie talk. So I think we've all decided where we are on that one. Let's go ahead and take Tim, our review curation manager, for us a trip on what exactly the critics were saying at the time in 1985, and it seems like a little bit later, for Legend. So here we go with Two Minutes with Tim. Two Minutes with Tim. Tom Cruise's meteoric rise to superstardom in the 1980s goes something like this. He went from the brash newcomer of risky business and all the right moves to the box office champ of Top Gun, The Color of Money, and yes, Cocktail, to the serious actor of Rain Man and Born on the Fourth of July, all of which makes legend a genuine oddity in Tom Cruise's career ascent, his first sci-fi fantasy film, and his first commercial disappointment as a leading man. Debuting in the U.S. a month before Top Gun, legend was number one at the box office for two weeks then proceeded to sink like a stone, ending up below even Howard the Duck in the year-end box office tally. And critics weren't exactly big fans either, largely finding Legend to be visually striking but narratively inert. Legend is rotten at 42% on the tomato meter with 45 reviews, and it has a 73% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a rotten review, William Wolfe of Gannett News Service wrote, Its production design, special effects, and overall look can't be faulted. But its hackneyed story about good versus evil is so insipid and dull that no matter how much one might applaud the visual achievement, the movie is still a gigantic bore. However, in a fresh review, Roger Hurlbert of the South Florida Sun Sentinel wrote, It's all flash and no flesh. But in the hands of a visual director like Scott, sometimes that's enough. The Rotten Tomatoes critics' consensus reads, Not even Ridley Scott's gorgeously realized set pieces can save legend from its own tawdry tale, though it may be serviceable for those simply looking for fantasy eye candy. So that's legend. Let's kick it back to Jacqueline Mark, two people for whom this podcast holds more magic than any palace in the world. Back to you, folks. Oh, my God. For all the shade you threw on this movie I love. Look at this. Just look at this right here. Look at these. This this couple and tell me that you do not want to fall in love with this. Tim like, is just doing on. his job. He's reporting what the critics had to say. You know what? You're gonna get me Don't like angrier than a Reddit poster about this because I literally I love this movie. I think it is yes, it is fantasy schlock. But at that time, what they were able to create this was basically Tom Cruise, the production design folks, and Ridley Scott in a freaking like open air basement mm -hmm. making this movie, and it still felt like you were going into this fantasy world. It still felt so immersive. And if you just give yourself over to it, I do think it's an impressive bit of world building. There's things that I love about this movie that we'll talk about. Yes, I was um, going to say. Yeah. That I appreciate, but there's a lot that I just can't really get behind. You know what? I do feel like this is one of those ones where like me and you are not so far apart on movies and this is going to hurt me a lot. But you know what? <laughs> we'll get to it in movie talk. So let's cue the music, Brian. 
Now, this is good. We we normally have a similar opinion, I think, on movies as yes, far as where need- they need to be. And so for me to love this one so much and for you to basically treat it like a bologna sandwich, like it hurts. That's, it does feel like a bologna sandwich, though, in that I'm not getting the substance that I need out of this. There's so much in the world. I love the practical effects. I love yeah. the I love the 80s look of it. I love that they basically built this forest in Pinewood Studios that yeah. was used for like a bunch of James Bond movies and stuff like that. That it does feel like its own universe. And that's so exciting. But I just the actual storytelling. There's there's nothing to glom onto. There, there's nothing. Yeah. I, it's so easily good versus evil. So I know who I'm supposed to root for, but I'm not really sure why I'm pulling for any of these people. I, I didn't find anybody necessarily likable until my favorite character in the movie shows up, Gump the Elf. Oh, Gump comes Gump's in your favorite? full Gump's. of piss and vinegar and just ready to go. And like, I was wow. ready to run through a brick wall for Gump. Yeah, Nobody Gump else. awesome. Uh, that's not the voice, obviously, of the actor. And I forget the voice actor um, that voiced that one. But they, that was something that they did later. Like, they added in the voice. Post-production. They, post. Post-production. You, you would have yeah. fooled me. Well it done. Very, well done, it was, a Dar- it was a Darth Vader moment. All right, so what did you specifically like about the film, Joe? Like, what was your favorite part about it? And and what maybe made you think, like, mm, I see why this is rotten? I mean, I think Mark kind of hit on the head in terms of, visually, this movie is almost unparalleled for the time it's in. I mean, when you look at movies like Willow and Dark Crystal, they all look cool. Never in story look cool. They have a very, like, nice fan- fantasy element to it. But not like Legend. Legend mm. feels like you're in this like wood forest with the sprites and elves. And it feels like you're, you know, with uh, Big D in the darkness with him in his, you know, his castle. Um, it really does feel like you're immersed in this world. But unlike its, you know, its cohorts at that time, it is the abstractness of it is can be tough for some people. And I, I get that. I don't mm. I don't mind it. But there is no like uh, princess saying you have this quest to go finish. You know, even there's not even that many like big sword fights. There's like maybe one big sword fight with some ogres. Yeah. But it's a, you know, fairly tame in terms of like action. There's no big action set pieces. Um, there's no horse like never in a story, you know, that dies in the swamp of sadness. Or there's we, no. We, I mean, we, we watch a unicorn get. Tw- I was going to say, we watch rough. a unicorn die. We, we, yeah, but resurrected at some point so you know there's you know that consequence is kind of gone but when the one unicorn is like just like doing laps around the other frozen one oh and then also what happens to lily (laughs) what happens to lily is a death in a way like her capture and her sort of like metamorphosis Mm. into look i enjoy the simple fable aspect of it because again it is a fable about trust in the end you know it's it's the lesson that jack learns at the very end of the of the movie that you're supposed to get to no it's not high stakes but it's pretty and it's so much fun and i i do think a simple fable doesn't make it worse would i have liked to have seen a more complicated um thoroughly realized like completely rich vivid idea of like exactly what you're fighting for sure but the lack of that doesn't make me enjoy this any less it's more the lack of personality that i found <laughs> that <laughs> takes away from this movie because I mean you, jack's personality or lack of jack's yeah. got nothing going on that is, there's nothing that, in the head over he's there got no, and and, and <laughs> lily's got very little going on as well she just no. kind of loves traipsing around in the woods no Lily ruining has, the, this unicorn's life for everybody i want to touch the unicorn whoa whoa I just showed you where <laughs> mythical unicorns live. Be happy with everything the bird's about, eye view. She's going to walk up to this thing and touch it? And sh- Everything about her says that she was, of her time, an extreme rebel. Like, yeah. everything. Just her friendships, everything that she was doing. The one thing I will give you, as much as it pains me to say it, 
Tom Cruise is the Achilles heel of this. There's, yeah. there's yeah. nothing like he, going on he's, with the guy. He, he is the Achilles heel of this tale. I do not <laughs> doubt. I do not deny it. And I think that was also part of it is that imagine Will, you know what I mean? Like Will Smith or one of those big movie stars at the height of their power putting up a chunker like this. You know what I mean? Like this is like Jim Carrey when he did the cable guy. It doesn't matter if we look at it favorably later. It was not what people wanted of you. It, yeah, and and you look at Tom Cruise's ascent and obviously this movie comes out a month before Top Gun. Yeah. And so I think that that's where people saw his trajectory going. But I mean, again, even now just putting eyes on this, I am such a fan of Tom Cruise and his filmography that this was like an exciting thing to hit play on yeah. because it's it's totally I've never seen Tom Cruise like this before. And I don't necessarily blame him as a performer as much as I do. It really seems like he was handcuffed by the script and by the way the story's told is that they just give him nothing to work with. Like even Mowgli in the Jungle Book yeah. talking to animals had way more to do. Tarzan, way more to do. Yeah. And and even you get to see a sense of where they're coming from. You, you get a sense of what their purpose is. I mean, just watching how frozen Jack was in this film when Lily starts to approach the unicorn and he's like terrified. He's like, no, no, no. But he doesn't run out and stop her. He doesn't, he's just sitting there just kind of like spellbound sitting on the toilet. And that's how I feel like his character is throughout this entire movie is there's just nothing really for him to do other than just be this feral kid running around showing everybody the ropes. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Let's look at Ridley Scott at that time, though, because, like, this is the guy that was doing Blade Runner and Aliens. Those are not very talk. This was not his talky time of mm. him being a director. He was the guy that put a journey of a solo sort of guy on his quest. You know what I mean? Like, that's what all of his movies were at that time. I don't know. What, what do you I think that's more of a symptom of the way Ridley operates. I, I think you already said that, but I'm saying, like, the way Ridley wanted the story to tell. It wasn't that he didn't want it to have that. It's just. That's just not the type of movies he makes. Well, it's it's interesting to note that in this, the, the chronology of Ridley Scott is that obviously yeah, he had Alien in 79 and then he had Blade Runner in 82. He's on this movie. He's coming off of having shot that 1984 Apple commercial for the Super Bowl. Oh, Ridley Scott directed that's right. that. So that's right. It feels yeah. like something so violently different yeah. than what he just came from, from this scary overlord future selling computers to now let's just get the hell away from everything that has to do with Earth. Maybe. How what? much of it is, yes, you know, Car Tom Cruise doing cartwheels in the in the woods is, is maybe fun for a little bit, but how much of it is that he's paired against Tim Curry who is living it up? Maybe the best part about this movie. Agreed. Yeah, and so like we get this like magnificent, really gargantuan performance from Tim Curry, 
And then we get uh, Tom Cruise, you know, jumping over a sword and then maybe punching an ogre in the face. I mean, do you think he even knew that, though? Because Tim Curry's, like, off to himself just basically talking to the voice, which a lot of that was added. All of that was sort Mm -hmm. of, like, something that they came to later because I think originally in the script, there's a great uh, featurette. I have several copies of this. (laughs) A great featurette with Tim Curry. Well, first of all, they show his transformation and the, like, this is back in the old school makeup days when, like, that stuff, like, basically ate your face. Five yeah. hours of makeup. Yeah. And, and I was reading a story that apparently, like, he got claustrophobic after, you know, days and weeks of doing this. He tried to get the makeup off too fast and ended up peeling some of his skin, skin off, too. Oh, yeah. So he had to sit out for a week like, yeah. like, to let his skin grow back. Like, that's... The makeup was gnarly back Like, they've gotten better now to where, like, these are less... In fact, I talked to the guys from Coming to America because they, obviously, in the first Coming to America, they all transformed and da-da-da. And then when they did the sequel, I was like, what's the biggest difference? And Arsenio told me, he's like, it doesn't hurt. (laughs) He's like, that used to hurt. Like, you would take that off and you were down for, like, two days. He's like, if you see why Simeon disappears so much, that was probably a day after (laughs) I had to do the makeup. I was like... Yeah, Simeon kind of comes in and out. <laughs> they bled for those barbershops. You know, things. they really did. And he's like, and that's the reason why also, you know, you see Eddie, all of his stuff was filmed at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, I mean, we look at the movie, even in like, if they're not in the same room, you just get this like really great performance from Tim Curry. I also really like uh, the Goblins. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to talk about them in a second, maybe, or now. They had a good time. They uh, did. They, I was yeah. going to say like favorite characters. No, go right really ahead. I really wish uh, I knew what happened to them. Uh, Plix and Plunder. We know what happens to Plunder, but Plix and Pox, I think is the other one. They're just gone. I, I mean, you're, you're the legend expert. If you could give me some so insight on where they what go. Happens to, I think they get into that last fight and then they kind of, they're, they're a boss that got defeated. Like they're off, you know, kind of looking their wounds. I, I really miss them. They were really fun. But it's just, we, we get this movie with all these really fun characters. Now the goblins, the elves, Gump, and uh, uh, what's the other one's names? I always forget like Murphy Brown or Tom Brown. or <laughs> uh, Tom, Brown Tom. Brown yeah. Tom. Brown Tom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. close, you know. Yeah. Uh, all these interesting. I literally was thinking I was like Tom Brown, the like the clothing line. That is so hilarious. It's funny because the movie that this beat uh, opening weekend of the box office, because as Tim said, it did have a, a nice couple weeks there yeah. at number one. It beat a movie called Murphy's Law, I think. Oh, really? interesting. Yeah. That was the other new movie of the week, and then you had uh, this is the, the '80s were just a great time for screwball comedies, kids. The Money Pit, Police oh, wow. Academy Three. And uh, and there was a and Gung Ho starring Michael Keaton. Wow! Rounded out the top five opening weekend of this movie. However, those three comedies I just listed all had bigger runs at the box mm. office. Yeah. They all made more because well. Legend only pulled in about fifteen million. No, it only pulled in fifteen million for a twenty-four million dollar budget. All of that was in props, production, and set design because obviously they were not. The other thing I I think about this one, you think about Ridley Scott and how much he's known for like big action sequences or whatever. That is really what got hamstringed by this budget of this movie. Mm. Like they couldn't really invest in the stunt performers or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like that was missing? Would you have liked to have seen a more action heavy version of this? Because I didn't. But then I look at something like Willow, where like. Val Kilmer is basically turned into an acrobat, you know, and I'm like, that would have been fun. Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't think it it's like the biggest detriment to this movie. I think it it adds to it, especially when you compare it to something like Willow or you know, the other movie, Princess Bride, which is, you know, mm-hmm. really heavy in the sword play. It would have been fun to see a little bit more action because of the majority of the action is Tom Cruise jumping over a sword, then punching an ogre in the face, and then running around. It feels like everybody's kind of running around with their heads cut off for a few seconds. I am actually, I didn't need more action in this. I just needed a little more direction because I felt like I was put in the middle of this world 
And I almost felt like I was a tourist just kind of like looking at an exhibit. Do you and care like, where Cinderella is? Whenever I'm done, I, I can just leave and like nobody's going to carry their Like I was just kind of observing being here. And I'm sorry. I know these are big stakes here. I know we're dealing with the light and unit. The whole light of the universe, the universe is in these two steeds. And we got to at least keep one of them alive. <laughs> I, I never really felt like darkness taking over would have been the worst thing. Uh, it seemed like they were having a good time. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were having they a good did. time down there. It might be the Billy Joel. I'd rather laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints. The saints ain't having a lot of fun in this movie. The one saint that tried to do something fun was Mia Sarah. Yeah. And by touching a unicorn, we saw how that worked out. So I might just be on Team Darkness here. No. I could be a good goblin. What about the cool place where, like, they go and they have, like, the sort of looking for like with the baking and the nice lady it's and all beautiful. of that. You know? The whole thing is beautiful. And again, Team Elf, because I, I really thought when the elves showed up, I at least got a little kick. I, I, I got some juice going again because those elves are, those elves do not mess around. They're on missions, man. What did you think about Horny Una? She, <laughs> Una is Una. a romance novelist uh, at heart because let me tell you, that's it's why you only love this movie. Only in romance <laughs> novels, in the middle of those perilous situations would the girl be like, Kiss, Kiss me. me, Jack. <laughs> I figured it out. Joe, we solved the riddle. We figured, figured it out. out. Not only why Jacqueline loves this movie, why she adores it so much, there's a tattoo on her body of said movie, is that you take this globe that they put us in, and there's so much room, there's rich, fertile soil for your romantic Fan novels to, mm -hmm. that you read at the beach yeah. to grow from here. I mean, I read them everywhere. I know. Listen, and honestly, yes, the fantasy genre that I was first exposed to was very much like <laughs> bodice rippers with wizards. <laughs> Are we sure it's not an Una tattoo on your back? No, I am not Una. No, not her. We are so much better. You know this movie? This movie is basically a 90-minute version of that scene in Step Brothers where she's imagining running into John C. Riley oh as God. a centaur oh in the woods God. somewhere. That's what this movie is to me. Uh, maybe. It's, you know what? I would write it better if that was the case. It would be way, way more detailed. I will tell you, you wouldn't have problems with that plot. No. <laughs> Like, I will, I'm, wait, watching wait. This, I'm yeah. watching this movie and, and I'm thinking like, because I always like to be like, okay, is that was there a specific audience in mind geared for this? Yes. Because mm. it may not be the 43-year-old dude that I currently am watching this. And so like like you were saying, Joe, we all have that phase, at least when we're kids. A lot of folks as, an, as adults too love these kind of movies. And I'm not expecting like a sweeping scope epic film like A Lord of the Rings when I put this on. But I'm thinking like, I, I don't know that kids would have really signed up for this because it is it's it's, it's a not, time of He-Man it's though, not necessarily it? slow it's not plotting He-Man didn't do well I mean they totally butchered He-Man as we talked but about no, but a few is this, episodes is this the ago. same time yeah uh, He-Man was 87 and yeah. you also have Billy Barty starring in both this oh. and He-Man mm. Billy Barty's best role in the mid 80s though is unfortunately neither one of these movies it's playing Rumpelstiltskin yeah because that's like that's everybody knows the Rumpelstiltskin story kids are going to show up to that as opposed to Masters of the Universe, which doesn't take the war seriously at all. And then here, where we're building lore, but we're not really using a lot of excitement w with our protagonist to do it with. Your love of this movie is so I just couldn't great. find a protagonist uh, you know to, to get behind. You know what? I'm, I'm rooting for Tim Curry. You're rooting for Tim Curry. Rooting for darkness, baby. <laughs> it's Big not D. the couple. It's not the couple. Like the mare and the, no. and the, and the stallion. Or like no. the Jack and Give me Tim Curry and his host of goblins and minions all day long. <laughs> 
that's like Jack Sparrow and the couple from Pirates of the Caribbean. There's the villain and then there's the young couple. How do you not understand this? Okay, if this couple here, if Willie and Jack had a tenth of the personality, oh, <laughs> the chemistry, any of the relationships they had we've chemistry. seen in Pirates you of the may Caribbean. Not have, one may not have had personality. She had personality. They had chemistry. It's just he didn't have singular Did they last? Do you think they last? Well... What, what cut are we talking about? Which ending? Well, I mean, because oh, yeah. there is the director's cut, which, the director's is, cut. W- which I'm told is different. And that's the... Oh, well, yeah. It's like 20 more minutes. Yes. Tom no. Cruise has said, that, like, look, if you're going to see Legend, see the director. I think Ridley Scott has said the same thing. So they both really endorse that version more than the one that I saw. Go ahead with the director's cut. I'm very curious on your thoughts on it. So the director's cut, the big difference is that in the original cut, they end up together. Very classic fairy yeah. tale ending. Yeah. They kiss. They're together. The end credits roll. Director's cut. She gets her comeuppance more. She wakes up. She's like, oh, it's a dream. She's like, you know what? Yeah. We're not really alike at all. Yeah. Uh, you go back and do cartwheels in the forest. I'm going to go do my own thing. There you go. Yeah. And that's how it ends, which I think is a much more appropriate ending for this movie. It's much more real, honey, because she was just messing around with the other with the, with the kid from the other side of the tracks. Let's be honest. <laughs> I would say it to this. She was just having her thrills before she gets married to some boring guy. <laughs> sure. Yeah, let her I, do what she this wants. This is what I was saying. She's always been a rebel, and that was this whole adventure shows her comeuppance for trying to be a rebel. Like, all of the death and destruction that she caused, that's what I look at it as. She plays this out in her head and sees if I keep trying to rebel this is what I'm going to end up mm-hmm. doing. Like mm-hmm. a fish and a, a fish and a cat can fall in love, but where do they build their house type of situation? Like she, it's, it's very <laughs> wow. like La La Land. I've never heard that it's one before. Very, I've it's, never heard, did you just make that? I yeah. might be taking that for A fish you. and a cat can fall in love, but where do they build their house? Or fish and a bird is another that, one. No, that's yeah. so, keep it fish and cat. That is so <laughs> yeah. deep. I mean, just, like, I don't know a, where they built. Now, the, I'm, now, now the but where do they the build their house? house? I anyway. care more about the fish and the cat than I do William. Yeah, more chemistry. Not my saying. The internet is going to be like, she's passing this off like she is so brilliant. My grandma's been saying that since God was a boy. Anyway, listen, I, yeah, no, I do think that that's, that's exactly what she does. She realizes sort of like the folly of her, because this girl is like, again, maybe I've read too many period pieces, but I realize she is an unwed woman out in the middle of nowhere. That is danger, danger, Dr. Spock. She's doing all kinds of things. She's frolicking with a little boy in the forest. I, well, especially Scandals. back then, because she's running. I never really understood towards the beginning of the movie when she goes to this little village and she's visiting with Nell and she like, messes with Nell's laundry to like yeah. distract her so she can like go like eat a biscuit. But then Nell comes in and she's like, and they're friends. I'm like, why are you distracted? She's like the lady. Why are you making the- life harder for everybody? She- so there's like a big lord on the castle and she's either the daughter or one of the ladies. She's of importance. She's yes. one of those mm. people. And this is she's just- She's going to a- be assigned to marry some duke or noble yeah. and it's not going to be Jack. Yeah. This girl is just like the village chick. And Jack is basically like the dude from Titanic. How can y'all get into Titanic which and not dude, like- see- Which dude from Titanic? Jack from Titanic. Oh, is Jack is Jack from Titanic. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, like it's like literally the same story as like that. And y'all buy that. We need to have a disaster in the middle. The boat, ha- the boat has to sink. Are we comparing Tom Cruise's <laughs> chemistry in this movie with Kate Winslet? Yeah. I'm just defending this so hard. But that's literally the same idea. The, point like we the, the rich just... girl. But you say like you didn't know what this is. I'm like, there's plenty of movies that this mirrors that you've witnessed. I'll give you Twilight because I feel like this could have been like marketed Twilight. towards a similar demographic as Twilight. Because yes. Twilight was going after, uh, you know, obviously everybody who read the book, but also trying to get like that teenage demo in. Yeah. And I feel like you could have had that if there was more sparks or even just like more exchanges between 
Jack and Lily, like they, they ne- their relationship never got to that level where it even felt marketable at to anyone. It's a 73% audience score. Like people are with me on this. I know. I I'm I'm not saying that I'm I'm the you know majority what? opinion. No, what it is. <laughs> this movie went to also, I want to talk about why this movie got the receptions that it did, because it did so many dumb things. First of all, they locked Ridley out of the edit bay. <laughs> Never a good idea. Uh the score, the story of the drama of which score is supposed to be attached to this mm-hmm. movie is like worse than like Joan Crawford and <laughs> Davis, it's like crazy feud type stuff. The original score that the studio wanted was with Jerry Goldsmith. Right. The score with Tangerine Dream, because he's the more established, like, this guy makes a movie. But the Tangerine Dream one more fits to the ethereal, sort of like fairy tale aspect of the entire picture. Also, when they were doing the whole debate about what the director's cut was going to be versus what the theatrical cut was going to be, the theatrical cut is the one with Tangerine Dream because Jerry wouldn't go back and do the crappy, like, shorter version right. that they wanted to do for that. And so I think the Tangerine Dream is the actual better score, and I do think the studio was right on that. It just unfortunately underscores the worst story. And the director wasn't on board with that cut, and so now you have a cut that was originally over two hours. Yeah. And then it kept getting trimmed down to the point where they were testing it and it just kept getting shorter and shorter and shorter until it got to like this 89, 90 minute runtime. And look, it, th- that's more than enough time for me anyway to build a world because what I appreciate about this is that it's pretty much Ridley Scott's imagination. Yeah. Like I'm going to build this myth from scratch, right? And I don't need like built in IP to go see a movie and enjoy it. But I feel like a lot of the the elements of this were half baked, where it, it never it wasn't fully fleshed out. Which, granted, again, you're building something new. You don't really know what you have. I'm not sure how long it took for Tolkien or Lucas to like create their worlds. And, a lot longer than this. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I would best. right. A lot. No, he didn't have respect for the. He did have respect for the world building. He didn't have respect for the storytelling you had to put towards that world building. He just wanted the visuals to tell. It took all the Bible this. a while to get rich, you know, <laughs> a while, um, and even that mythology. Well, <laughs> sometimes there's questions. I think yeah, you could ahead. say it's a little bit derivative in terms of its, you know, story. There's nothing about it that's uniquely legend. Maybe like the Lord of Darkness, but very simple. Uh, you have a, a wild boy, the, the the innocent girl, and evil. You know, unlike, you know, something like Never Under Story, where you have, like, at least a bunch of creatures, you have a guy who's a mountain, they you have... They bring out a, a dragon lady out of the water. There's plenty of I mean, people that's that a, pop she, up. She's a hag. She's <laughs> just a, hag. a swamp hag, which is, I think, also very, just, you know, derivative of fairy tales. But it's, it's, it's really small scale compared to so much of its peers, which I think that's... It's just unfortunate that it gets compared so much to all these fantasy movies, because... Compared to everything else, it's, it's tiny. You know, you get this little, you get two two settings, really. If I went to a nice, fun, exciting restaurant, I went to Rainforest Cafe, right? <laughs> and I'm there with Joe and Jacqueline, my dear friends. I'm gonna have a great time because the restaurant's cool and the company's great. Uh... This is going to Rainforest Cafe with two of the most boring people oh you could God. possibly meet. <laughs> and the one is making very questionable decisions and the other one is just there. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool being at Rainforest Cafe. Like I like looking at all the stuff. Yeah. Th- there's nothing going, there's no, I'm not having a good time at this table. The The environment I'm in is cool, but yeah. at the actual table, my the bill can't get here fast enough. Wow. 
Man, that's a lot to be said. What an we analogy. we have to get out of here on the movie talk section because we honestly, I feel like I try to be convincing Mark of the merits of this movie for forever. And I'll it would almost be a, get a tattoo of Gump the Elf. That's how uh, much I like Gump. Gump. Gump had a look. He was fresh served, injection of energy into this movie, serving and absolutely fierce. The other thing I will say we didn't necessarily talk about, which is whether or not this can be remade. I'm just going to go ahead and give us our thing. No, because Tim Curry <laughs> was too good, and nobody is going to like try to top that. Both in like the shape of his face and everything that he did in that, nobody's going to try and do darkness. You imagine and, like, how weird it would be if they remade this movie, but oh. like they, they had Tom Cruise make a cameo. Oh my God, no. <laughs> if Willow can't be successful and if Dark Crystal can't be successful with remakes, there's, no. Only, there's yeah. no there's been world a trend. where Legend gets a remake and is successful. The, the one movie I would say maybe like still has that sort of name brand value would be Labyrinth. From this time, yeah, I and I don't. I, I'm sure there's been talks about it. I, I prefer to leave Labyrinth where it is because dangerous it's game, hard to recreate David Bowie I, and and Jennifer Connelly and the magic of that movie. And and again, Labyrinth is great. Yeah. Like, if I was looking at something like Legend, I'd be like, yeah, you can punch that up a little bit. Labyrinth is pretty much perfect as is. I mean, you say that, but there may, uh, I would just remind you, yesterday I looked at a new trailer for Wonka. <laughs> so Whoa, some are we are, fighting Wonka right now? No, I'm saying that, like, I thought that role was untouchable and that they would never, ever um, try to remake it and do anything else with it. Like, it's just, I used to think... Y'all both that, that, that deep into... In, in Paul King, I trust. Wonka, okay. I, look, the guy made Paddington, and I know you guys want to worship him, but I want to remind you, Brad Bird made some of the greatest animated movies ever, and the minute he tried to make a live action, it did not go well. So, that is going to be it for Movie Talk. We're going to bring it over to open up our mailbag. It's a good movie talk. You know, that's a good movie. The, the little, the, you know, I've got a little contentious there. <laughs> you know what? A lot of opinions flying around. There's, there's passion. Says the guy who was brought the contention. You know what though? You know? It's actually good because again, very rare that we don't like have at least I think a similar opinion, but it's okay. I'm like happy that. to be the darkness of this episode. Oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> let's just get some Van Halen concert movies out here where we can really have a real debate on whose passion will come through. Oh my All right, gosh. here we go from Ketchup Crew member Brian. Catlazan. Sorry, Brian, if I got that wrong. Castellan. Castellan. Okay, Castellan. That's a good one. Mark and Jacqueline, I'm a devoted member of the Ketchup Crew, and I wanted to suggest The Good Son from 93. Creepy Macaulay. Yes, this movie that has haunted me my entire life and made a lasting impression. (laughs) It doesn't sit right with me that has a 25% critic score, 54% audience score. I can't believe the only one would get behind this classic. I think people weren't ready for Macaulay as an omen-type kid coming off the Home Alone movies. Hope this movie could get a reprisal on RT is Wrong. Love the podcast and appreciate your time. Brian, I agree. I'm with you on that one. 25 percent. I can't. I that was. I can't a, believe the good son is that lowly rated. Another Jim Carrey moment. They wanted him in other things. Like you don't make the cute kid kill people. Okay, so I saw the good son in theaters. Yeah. When it came out, and I was like, you know, 12 or 13. I was like, uh, maybe a year older than Macaulay himself. And you knew that it was going to be something different. Like nobody's walking into that movie like hoping to get yucks. You knew that this was like a twist and a turn, and that's what we were excited about. And I crap y'all not. I was explaining the ending of this movie to a couple of uh, my friends at the gym that I work out at, and they'd never seen it, they'd never heard of it. And I was explaining how the ending plays out, and their jaws were on the floor. And I'm not that good of a storyteller. That's just like how this movie ends up. It's just like, 
One of the all-time conundrums. Has Cinema Joe seen this? I actually have not seen the good I've seen it, but I don't remember the ending. The only thing I remember... You don't remember the ending? I don't remember the ending. The only thing I remember was Trick or Treat. I remember Trick or Treat, and I remember him, like, faking that he wasn't going to pull him up. And I remember that Elijah Wood out-cuted Macaulay Culkin in it, which is a hard thing to do. Elijah Wood is pretty cute. He was so, like... I was like, oh, you had to find a kid more adorable than Macaulay, and you did. All right, we might have to get this on the docket, Brian. We might have to have Cinema Joe come back. He's never seen it. I didn't know. I'm going in Blind. Great recommendation, Brian. Cinema Joe, sir, thank you so much for coming back. I really do appreciate it. Anywhere folks can find you, why don't you let us know? Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad we got to talk about Legend and how good <laughs> it is. I'm still on the pro side. It may may seem like I was on the contentious side. Yeah. I'm still pro no, Legend. It has, it has warts, but yeah. I just don't care because I love it. Yeah. It's beauty marks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can find me on social media, uh, Cinema Joe on all social media handles and my podcast, House Cinema Podcast on all podcast applications. All right. So uh, tattoos. What's uh, Jacqueline's got a movie themed tattoo. All of mine are movie themed. OK. What's mm. the what, what's the what's the the forearm one looks. So this one is from Everything I Wrote Once. I, uh, I said on Twitter, yeah. I would get it tattooed if Michelle Yeoh won Best Actress. Uh. <laughs> and the Internet caught it. So I was like, well, I can't I can't yeah. not get it yeah. now. So I got it. Uh, I got Tron Legacy here. I'm a big Tron nice. guy. Nice, okay. Wow. Big Tron guy. Uh, my first tattoo is Interstellar, just a Morse code. It was a random night in Portland. That's fun. Nice. Uh, then we got Arrival over here. Big Arrival fan. Drive, and it just goes up. Got the Shining up there. Old Boy up here. Damn. Wow. Now, Blade now, Runner. Now I yeah. feel left. I want to get a movie tattoo. What, what's you my should. movie theme tattoo? A legend. You should. Yeah, <laughs> legend. No, um, I'll, I'll get Gump on the shoulder, get, right? Gump, you gump might. Yeah. No, I have, I have a legend. The one I want to get is the only one that I would get with color, and that's Heather's. Oh. Okay. Is there like a scene or a, a person? Uh, croquet. And, oh, uh, very good. Loose scrunchie. All right. That's good. Yeah, just like everything in black and white except for the red croquet and the blue scrunchie. I might do a sleeve, and it's just going to be Christian Slater through the years. There you go. <laughs> that's what That's what I'm going to do. I love, <laughs> love CS, man. Absolutely insane. All right. Real quick, since you are definitely Cinema Joe, I'm sure you have some cinema to recommend. Is there anything you want to recommend, sir? Yes, of course. So by the time this episode releases... The world, I'm hoping, is seeing Kill as a Flower Moon. Uh, if you're not, mm-hmm. don't be scared of the runtime. It, yes, it's long. It goes by quick, I think so. Uh, there are some timely uh, bathroom breaks you can take, but go see it. <laughs> All uh, right. I would say don't wait for Apple TV. Go see it in theaters. I think that's a, a good recommendation, especially since that's the way Scorsese shot it and wants it to be seen. Exactly. The I Apple. feel like he prefers you go see it. Exactly. I do think he definitely mm-hmm. does. Yeah. I think I may have read that somewhere. Yeah. Just uh, anywhere. Yeah. yeah, no, I saw that one at Cannes. It is definitely going to be a huge one, a part of the conversation. I'm wishing Lily the best of luck. Did you see uh, When Evil Lurks at Fantastic Fest? Uh, I saw it before then, because that was also, I think, at uh, Cannes. I think it was at TIFF. TIFF, Tiff. Yeah. yeah, it was TIFF. If you need a spooky recommendation, When Evil Lurks will hit Shutter on the 27th. Mm-hmm. Best horror movie of the year. I'll say that right now. I, okay. I agree. Although I will say the best horror show that I was watching was House of Usher. I also very good. Been loved House I have, of Usher. Haven't started it yet. Not so sure. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll book myself a room that's at the a, Equinox Hotel for a, a weekend and just do nothing but binge watch that. Halloween weekend. If you want to set yourself yeah. up with some, sp- I know you like to get the spooky oh, beers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Get your spooky beer. Oh yeah. You put on the House of Usher. Yeah, get, get yourself some. Beer, so, yeah. Get yourself yeah. some candy corn popcorn. Oh. You'll be. You'll be well, right don't, don't do that part. At home. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's like Halloween, you know. I'm a candy corn Halloween guy. Park I got no problem with candy corn. Yeah. Well, I knew this. Again, we've been doing this a little while. I know. <laughs> yeah. We had somebody else disgusted by our like of candy corn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was great talking to you guys. Uh, it was great talking to you too. Awesome sir. seeing you. Thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> Thank you again. On behalf of Brian Perez, Mark Ellis, of course, Cinema Joe, please check him out on his podcast and our entire Rotten Tomatoes crew. Mark, what are we talking about next week? Well, you I- talk about personality. We're going Adam's Family Values. The Very nice. Adam's Family. An all-time <laughs> banger, just like MC Hammer's theme for the yeah. first movie was. Yeah. Uh, that we're going to 1993 for that one. Adam's Family Values. Cannot wait to talk about this movie. Absolutely. This is definitely putting us right in the spooky coming up on Thanksgiving season. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. where it should be. That's it for us this week on Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. We will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.